0: Quiet please, on the first tee, podcast, Dave and Todd. Get in the hall!
1: Welcome back listeners to another podcast on the first tee. I'm Todd and joining me as usual is my good mate Dave. How are you today mate?
0: Mate, that hat, <laughs> explain to the listeners what that what hat you're wearing today.
1: This is my tribute to the RBC heritage, mate, it's the nice tartan hat, it's actually a traditional tartan hat from Scotland, uh, and I, I'm using it as part of me get up for when I play with the old hickories, but I thought I'd just bring it out today because of the RBC, match the tartan jacket.
0: Yeah, absolutely, that's exactly what it's done, <laughs> it looks good. Cheers mate, yeah. Does is it only come out once a year, does it?
1: Oh, it comes out once a year for the RBC, or if I, if I go out and play with the Hickories, mate, I want to look like an old Scottish fella. <laughs> uh, anyhow, um, we're going to mix it up a bit today, listeners. We're going to change the order around a little bit. Uh, Dave's, we've had a couple of questions come in on the socials um, relating to me, unfortunately. Uh, some of my good mates out there who listen to the podcast want to want me to tell a story. So we'll start with that, Dave. I'll let you ask the question, and, and I'll go from there.
0: Yeah, that's it. All right, guys, and, and just remember, you can you can send us emails, um, with questions and all that sort of stuff. So, at the first at gmail.com. So uh, yeah, we'll get into the first question. So your mate Brett, he must be a good mate because they always re- they always remember these sort of shots, don't they? So apparently, some time ago, you played with him in the Glenmore in the Glenmore Cup, and he wants us to wants us to hear you run us through the eleventh hole. Do you, remember, do you remember back then, mate?
1: I know exactly what he's talking about, mate. So you've you been a member of Glenmore Park, uh, Heritage Valley. Why don't you tell us what the 11th hole looks like for starters?
0: It's it's a great hole. It's one of my favourite holes of the course there. It's just a straight par four, and the, the tee shot's not really much danger. You've got a bit out of bounds on the right, but that doesn't really come into play unless you spray one really wide. Um, and then it's more around the green where you get your trouble. It's kind of horseshoe. It's wrapped around with water around the front of the green and then around the back you've got the big – you've got a bunker around the back and then nothing to the right-hand side. If How does that sort of sound? That sound pretty good? Yeah,
1: it sounds right. That sounds yeah. right. How long is it? It's about 369 metres, 370 metres. 369, so, yep. Let's so what, what he's, he's getting at? Bef- before we get onto that, go to the second question that's been asked for us to describe on the podcast from a, another listener because right, I think so- the two of them tie in together a little
0: bit. Okay, all right, yeah, yeah. So we got we got another one from um, from Darren as well, and he wants us to, to tell him the difference, with like the pros and cons between what we think are between rangefinders and GPS.
1: So measuring devices, in other words. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So the story that Brett wants me to tell is that uh, the 369 meter par four at Glenmore. Yes, as you said, it is a not an island green as such, but the left side around the front and the right side are surrounded by water, and it's a pretty small green. I think you'll agree, it's not a big green. Um, so if you if you don't hit it down there, you've got a decent club in your hand to uh, to get home onto a small target. Anyhow, we're talking. This was back in two thousand three, so twenty years ago, when I could actually hit the ball a fair way, a bit like yourself now. Um, And I think I was gloating, I smoked a drive, I was playing really well, Um, smoked a drive and got down there and in the old days, this is where it comes into the measuring devices, we didn't have GPSs and we didn't have range finders back then, Um, not that I knew of or that that I used, couldn't afford it if if there was. Um, So in the old days you used to... We'd use the 150 marker onto the side of the fairway, whether it was a post or a shrub or whatever the course used back in those days, and then we'd use the sprinkler heads. And the sprinkler heads, most courses used to have a meterage to the centre of the green on the sprinkler heads along the fairway. So you'd walk out to a sprinkler head, you'd you'd see what number was on it, and then you'd pace it in your own paces back to back to where your ball was to work out the middle of the green. So I remember smoking a drive down the middle, hit a hit a crack and drive, and got down there and was pacing it out, and it measured exactly 300 metres. Oh, your and drive did, yep. The drive measured exactly 300 <laughs> metres off the tee because we're off the tips because of the Glenmore Cup, and I had right around that 69 metres to the centre of the green was, and I remember turning around saying and boasting a little bit, I've just hit that one 300 metres. How good is that? You know, Tiger Woods, who's he? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, uh, and then I proceeded to hit me second, of course. Chili dipped it into the water. So, (laughs) and Brett still happily reminds me of that when he sees me uh, on the occasion. And obviously now everyone that listens to us knows the story. Uh, But in saying that, I went on to make a bogey. So hit the next one on the green, made the putt, hit it nice and close, made bogey, walked off, and proceeded to clean up and win the net uh, prize for the Glenmore Heritage Valley that year, for the Glenmore Cup that year. A good mate of mine who I know is actually a listener, Mick, Alby out there, he actually won the scratch, was a good golfer, um, still is a good golfer, but he used to be pr- pretty prolific around the, the district and the areas with the Varden events, uh, picking up the gongs here and there. Uh, he won the scratch, and I picked up the net prize. Uh, back in those days, it was a 36-hole event. I'm not even sure if they still run it now. You'd know more than me being a member there. Um, but yeah, they still just- run
0: the cup. On- it's just an 18-hole now.
1: Yeah, well, it was, it was 18 holes. Uh, it was two Saturdays back-to-back. Back. So it was two 18-hole rounds, and it wasn't over a weekend. So uh, I meant you had to be playing good golf because you could have one good round, and then uh, you had to wait a whole another week to go out there and play your second round.
0: Yeah, so, exactly. Mate, you, you're not you're not the first person. You won't be the last person to dunk it in that water, and that hole gets me – that's where it gets me, the approach shot on that hole, that's for sure.
1: Yeah, it's so, one of them – as soon as you fat it, you're gone, you're in the water. Uh, was, unfortunately, I, I had a little 69-metre or 70-metre, you know, half lob wedge or lob wedge into the green and I just got a little bit heavy and it didn't quite carry the water. Yep. And uh, But it must be something about the 11th hole because when we first spoke, we first started our podcast, you, you remember that you're a member of uh, Dunhevard, you started your golf at Dunhevard, I started my golf at Dunhevard, yep. which is where I met Brett. So I met Brett on the first tee, uh, what's that now, It'd Be 25 years ago and we formed a group, we used to play a lot of golf together. Uh, every weekend, and we'd travel and play golf, and we had our own little group uh, that we. Um, so we're still in touch after 25 years of meeting on the first tee, you know, which is awesome. He's come and stayed at my place, and we played golf, and yeah, he he threw me a big going away party when I when I left. We played golf at his home club now, which is um, Pingara Gorge, and had a big barbecue and that at his house with all our mates around to say goodbye, uh, which was awesome. But speaking of the 11th hole, so the 11th hole at Dunheavitt is is a par three with a water carry, and the water carry is not in play. It is 60 metres off the green. Although it does run down the right-hand side, another 35, 40 metres to the right of the green, it runs down the right-hand side. Well, for me, it's not in play, but for Brett, it was in play every week. It was that hole where Brett just couldn't get it out of his head to got to hit it over the water. He got to the point where he'd walk up to the tee box And he'd pull an old ball out of his bag and throw it into the creek to make his donation (laughs) before he actually hit his ball. And then he started to manage to hit his ball over the creek. So, yeah, it must be something to do with the 11th hole.
0: That sort of stuff there just shows you the golf is just mind games, though, isn't it? It's all in your head when it comes to that stage.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. So we'll move on. So tit for tat, Brett, we've got a little story about you and a little story about me.
0: So, yeah, and I don't know, I can't remember now if I said, but why is it your mates always remember your bad shots, eh? They never remember your good shots. Oh, no, that's what we're talking Like 20 years ago, he's written us an email saying, tell, ask Todd to ask us about that. That was 20 years ago. 20 you years his, ago. Do you remember his good shot that he hit?
1: <laughs> well, I'll tell you a good shot that he hit, and the last visit he was here, which wasn't too long ago, he came here in uh, January for the Summer Cup, I, him, and, him and another fella, Milky, came down, um, and... I coaxed them down to come and play in the summer cup at my home track. And we had a practice round on the Friday. And again, it was the 11th hole. So lucky 11. And I'd made an eagle on one of the par fives. And he said, oh, you're just wasting it. Don't make an eagle on a practice round. You're just wasting it. And yeah, we get to the 11th and it's a par four. And Brett dunked his second for an eagle on the par four <laughs> in the practice round. And I'm not sure he even parred it in either of the, in the, in the Summer Cup round. So he wasted it. He wasted <laughs> just it. Wasted. He wasted it more than me. Yeah. <laughs> so um,
0: we'll just, we'll talk about, um, about, uh, who was it? Darren's question about the GPS is the pros and the cons, right? So you were sort of saying, yeah, back then they weren't sort of around. And I remember when I worked in the pro shop and I remember seeing the first, well, the first one I've ever seen with the, the GPS. So this would have, this was sort of, oh, what, 2000 and – eight, two thousand and nine sort of thing and I think it was short shot back then and you had to put you know the three you could only put three courses on it at a time and it was so big and you know if you're going away like on golf trips they'd have to plug it in the computer and take whatever you know take whatever course they didn't need off you know it's, it's just funny yeah. how far they have come. And download
1: to, download a new course that you were going to go to and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. And you had to pay yeah.
0: so much for them then, you know, and and when it it took me back just because you know I obviously couldn't afford one then either. So yeah, you know you're looking for sprinkler heads and what what do we got here and you're marking it off like okay I yeah. must be 20 away from that sprinkler head so take 20 off whatever that said
1: yeah so the old the old school was mark sprinkler heads if you went to a course and and you'd ask in the pro shop well what are the markers you know are the markers to the center of the green or are they to the front of the green
0: yeah. so
1: and then that's oh the center of the green for the markers and the sprinkler heads are marked with the meterage so one of our things when we hit a bad shot or or on a par 5 and we we'd hit you know, not a great driver, and you walk up to the sprinkler and say, what does that sprinkler say? And our response was TFF, which was too frigging far. So <laughs> <laughs> it didn't matter. But, yeah, uh, look, for me personally, you know, it's great to have a device out there now that you can see uh, front, middle, back of, of the green, and that would be my advice out there. Like, I, I use uh, two devices. I use a, a Garmin Approach. Eight, I think it is, which is an older approach, but it gives me everything I need. It gives me front, middle, back. It gives me a full picture of the the uh, the hole. Um, it allows me to touch on it. It's a touch screen and drag the icon to where I think I want to hit the ball from. And it tells me how far to hit the ball from there and what, how far is left. Um, but the the biggest thing we all use it for really is, is approach shots to the green. Um, so you can zoom in and you can get front, middle, back of the green, um, which is pretty good advice. And then I also use a laser, which is a Bushnell, and I'll I'll actually pin the actual pin with a laser to give me the exact um, meterage to the pin, and then I'll refer back to the GPS so that I know pretty much whereabouts on the green the pin is, whether it's a front pin, whether it's a back pin, uh, and then I'll pick a club based on where I think the, the pin is or what the play was. Um, so, yeah, I use two, and then I've just recently gone to the Arcos um, sensors on the top of the grips so people that don't know those there's a little sensor that you screw into the top of your club into the grip of your club and that picks up true data you leave your phone in your pocket it's matched to your phone and you know whilst you're in your swing it picks up what club you're using uh, and when you walk to your shot it, it measures exactly how far from start to finish your, your shot's gone um, and it takes a little while I think it took five rounds to get to the caddy app and then once you, you get to the caddy app, you can use it to as a as a caddy and it, it'll give you advice as to what club to hit um, yeah, to get to a certain meterage and stuff.
0: Have your own little personal caddy with you every week, which is which is pretty good.
1: Yeah, I haven't used it for that. Um, I've used it mainly just to grab and hold true data. Um, based on, you know, new clubs. Uh, you know, I want to know how far exactly they're going. You know, as as we get older we struggle for distance and I you know, you think you still hit the 7-iron, 150, but in, in real real life you don't, you know, um, yeah. yeah, and and it's hard to adjust. But the more data you get from it, the more you can trust your swing to be exactly the number that it is, uh, and then you just adapt from there. So just on that, one of the biggest takeouts there would be, firstly, know your distances for each club. Wouldn't you agree?
0: Oh, yeah, exactly right. You, um, you know... Yeah, knowing what what you can hit how far is a big thing not just guessing every week or every shot I think it's about this far you kind of want to know if I take a little bit off that is this enough club or is it not enough club for sure.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So the trick the the some of the quandaries of the measuring devices and stuff like that are you know, it doesn't give you where that bunker is, the edge of that bunker. Most of them won't give you where that bunker is. You've got to yep. drag and thing, and, and it'll be somewhere around it. But and then when we talk about distances, we talk about two different distances. We talk about your carry distance, and then your roll out or your total distance. So your carry distance on your you might think you hit your driver two hundred and twenty five meters, for instance, which is what mine says I do nowadays. Not three hundred anymore. I've come back a little bit, <laughs> but that's um, predominantly carry. And then based on whatever course you're playing or the conditions you're playing in. There's there's going to be a rollout, and the, obviously the less loft on the club, the more rollout. The more loft, the less rollout. So it's important to know both your carry and well, your total distance.
0: Well, the reason it's important too is if you've got to carry water and you're going okay, it's 150 meter par three. I hit, you know, say I hit seven iron and that that rolls up to 150 meters. Well, you're not going to hit seven iron because it's going to, if it rolls 10 meters, you're going to land in the water if the pins at the front. Yeah, it doesn't roll and in you, the water. You know, yeah, that's it exactly. So that's where it's a big, big help to know how far you just how far your clubs carry to how far they roll out as well.
1: Absolutely, and the best way to get that data if if you need to get that data, I think the best way to do it is book into your local golf retailer where they've got TrackMan or you know one of the the big swings Drummond, for instance, where you can go and book a half hour range session. Um, take your whole bag. And take your golf balls that you would hit and play with on the weekend and hit 10 shots with every golf club and write down your numbers of, you know, 10 shots will give you an average. So then write down your average carry and total distance for every club and then go back to your home track and start from there and say, okay, well, my little sheet in my hand says, I hit my pitch and wedge 100 meters carry and 105 total, you know. Trust that, put that same good swing on it, and you know, then judge out in the course how accurate them, that was in, indoors in that environment, um, because obviously the indoor environment, there's no wind, there's no uphill, there's no downhill. Um, you need to take that into account. But as a starting point, go to your local retailer, book a, a half-hour range session, take your full bag of clubs, work out your distances from there, and then go and play over and make those intricate little changes um, for your home course. Wouldn't you agree?
0: Yeah, no, exactly right. And the big thing, as I think we've said in a few episodes now, is using the balls that you use week in, week out. Don't go to Drummond and just use the balls that they've got there in the range because, you know, hitting a hot dot or whatever they've got there, a rock, is going to give you different data to what you actually hit on the course.
1: Yeah, so if you use a a Shrixen Q-Star, don't go to the Drummond and hit a Pro V1 because it's not going to perform the same as that Q-Star. So take your balls, hit your balls, and again – I would do this exactly same thing if I wanted to talk or think about changing golf balls or testing golf balls. Um, Drummond will do that with you. I know that for sure because I've done it. But go to your your retailer, book a half-hour range session. I would only take a seven iron and a driver because the rest of it is putting, which is feel, um, and spin rate doesn't change a great deal with your lower clubs. It's more your mid-iron spin and your driver spin. Um, you know, so if you're hitting a Pro V1 and you want to see what the difference between a Pro V1 and a Pro V1X is, do that in there. It'll give you the differences. It'll give you launch. It'll give you carry. It'll give you total distance. It'll give you spin rate, um, which is the big thing. So if you cut the ball or draw the ball, less spin is better for you. Um, launch is optimal, you know, and then it might turn out you're using the wrong ball completely and you might come in, you might come away buying a Box of colorway balls, for all we know. Um, but yeah. whatever ball suits you best is always the way to go. Don't get stuck in a rut of using that tour ball because you see all the guys on PGA two are using Pro V one or Pro V one X.
0: Absolutely, they're, they've got different swing speed and different ability. People just go, oh, that you know, that's a good ball. That you know, they're using it, so I'll use it. And actually, you're probably doing more harm than good if you do have that ball and you got you don't have that ability to use that ball to its full potential.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. As I've gotten older and I don't compress the ball as much, I've gone away from the tour ball. I've come down a level. I've gone to the next level down from the tour ball. It's just a matter of me finding which of the brands best suits my game now at that level ball. So Yeah. Um, you're
0: just, one, you're just one, one level off having a yellow ball soon, aren't you?
1: Pretty much. Or <laughs> the, the bright tailor-made picks ball, you know, so I can see it in the yeah i'm not far off <laughs> yeah
0: all righty we're getting get, getting a bit carried away now with all those so thanks um thanks for everyone for writing in those questions and if you do have any more questions that we can help with or as i've said hypotheticals funny golf stories you can email into us um i think even if you if it's a long story you can maybe even just voice record it and we can figure out a way how to play the voice on the podcast so you can get your voice out there and then we'll respond it through it that way so it would be pretty cool
1: Yeah, just no more Um, no more funny stories about my golf, please.
0: Yeah, exactly. Like, just remember someone else's fails, please. Like, yeah, we don't like that. (laughs) (laughs) Anyhow, let's um, let's go
1: around the grounds, mate. Let's Let's kick it off. We'll go around the grounds.
0: Yep. So we had a bit of golf this week, and um, there was a few Aussies in contention this week, which was good. So um, on the on the Corn Ferry Tour, we had Spencer Levin. He won the Corn Ferry Tour, shooting a final round eight under. He beat Aussie Brett Brett Drewitt by one shot. Mate, that last round of his, Brett, Brett just had one under and that guy had eight under the final round. Wow. Brett, Brett must have been, I didn't see any of it, but Brett must have been sitting pretty on the third round. But unfortunately, it's a four-day event. That's it. Um, and then we've got another Aussie. So Grace Kim on the LPGA Tour getting her first win in a third start. How good is that? As a rookie in a playoff. That's so good.
1: Yeah, it's awesome. I think she's won uh, a couple of TPS um, tours here in Australia. I um, yep. think she's only turned turned pro uh, two years ago, I think, at the age of 21. Uh, she's only 23, her third start on an LPGA tour. She picks up a win, uh, you know, in a playoff. I think she birdied 17 and birdied 18 to make the playoff and then birdied the first playoff hole to win. Good on her.
0: Well, that's it. Like, you know, when the pressure's not enough and then you go to a playoff, that just – you know, times it even more, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, and as a rookie, she's obviously handled that really well to get the win. Uh, she was obviously playing really well. And that that win, I think she pursed close to half a million Australian dollars. Um, will go a long way to helping her um, set up achieve her goals and, yeah, play on the tour full-time. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And then on the Asian tour, um, Kieran Vincent won the Vietnam International on the Asian tour, beating another Aussie by one shot, Kevin Young. So, yeah, as I said, the Aussies did pretty well this week. And then um, we obviously had uh, Mats Fitzpatrick winning the RBC.
1: Yeah, we'll just go back a step back to Kevin. Again, Kieran birdied the last hole. Um, and Kevin had a putt to birdie for a tie to force a playoff. Unfortunately, didn't get it done. So, again, played in the last group. Um, you know, had a good weekend. Just 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 missed by a shot, you know. But I think he elevated himself to the top 10 Inside the top ten of the order of merit with that, uh, Wade Ormsby also an Aussie sitting there in fourth position. And remember, in that tour, the top three um, get advanced to the live tour. So playing for big dollars there, uh, yeah, and big future. Um, yeah, the RBC, mate. Let's go. I've got well, my RBC hat on. Well,
0: hold on. Before we get in the RBC, when before we recorded last episode, uh, Will Zalatoris out for the season, mate. Back back surgery. Yep, that's a that's a big one. You know, like missing the Ryder Cup. He's had a, you know, he's been trending for a bit. He's, you know, had a sore back last year, and now he's come back, and it's still not right. But he reckons by the end of the season he should be, should be back on it.
1: Massive for a young guy, mate, to have that issue so early in his career. Um, mm. You know, look at Tiger. Tiger's had back fusions after back fusions. Um, you know, let's hope it goes well for him and he rehabs well, and he can get back to where he was because I think it's going to take a little bit of. Uh, recovery and rehab to get back there. He's only a slight build guy, uh. So mm. uh, you know, well,
0: he hasn't he hasn't sort of been the same this year. You know, to start the season too, has he?
1: Well, he hasn't played too many tournaments, mate, due to injury. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, and those I that he has, that, he hasn't yeah. really contended like he did last year.
0: I hate um, that. I hate when like you know you see it in the tennis and like what the uh, even Tiger Woods like. You just think, geez, if people could just be healthy, what they could achieve in their life, you know?
1: Yeah, well, let's let's go back another step, right? So as amateur golfers out there, we don't have the perfect technique. And I remember when I first caught up with my long-time coach, um, the first thing he changed in my golf swing was my posture. Right. And he made it a priority for me, um, not so much based on my golf swing, but it, one, it improves your golf swing, but two, it improves your longevity to have a good posture to take the strain off the back. And that's how he explained it to me. And that's why it became a big priority for me to change my posture uh, in my golf swing. And I think, you know, anyone that wants to improve or play golf for a long time, it's worth going to see a PGA uh, Tour Pro, a coach, local PGA professional, um, and and have that couple of first initial lessons to improve your posture because it will limit uh, back injuries long term.
0: Yeah, Oh, Absolutely. And you, you want to learn the right way. I mean, there's so many different swings out there, but you want to learn the right way so you don't injure yourself. You know, we're out there to have fun. It's a hobby. We want to do it as long as we can. Yep. And, yeah, play as long as we can, obviously. So, yeah, if we can do it the right way and not get hurt, that would be perfect.
1: And a, and a good teaching pro will not teach you the textbook swing. They'll teach you a swing that suits your body shape, your 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 natural ability. They'll work with your natural ability. They'll just make it um, tighter and safer and, and better for you. So... Yeah,
0: which I, I like that because there's, you know, I've had a few lessons from pros and oh, we want to get your swing like this. It's like well that doesn't fit with me, you yeah? know, like so and it is hard like you you might have to go through a few club pros to sort of find the right one for you. Everyone's got a different um approach on how they want to how they want their um their students to learn and how to how to have the swing or they uh they teach differently. So, yeah, try a few different pros if you want to 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 find one that suits you.
1: Yeah, definitely. You need to make a connection with someone that you're going to trust. Yeah. Uh, if you get that yeah. connection, great. I am could like, not recommend it highly enough. You know? Yeah, absolutely.
0: Um, no, that's it. So, so the RBC, mate, you got you got some stats?
1: I got some stats. Well, hang on. Let's talk about, um, unfortunately, Will was out. What about Rory, not playing? Uh, $3 million dollar fine. That's a pocket change well, for Rory, but still an elevated yeah. event.
0: So anyone that doesn't know, so obviously this being an elevated event, right after the Masters... I don't know I don't know if that was really a good call, but anyway, they knew the calendar. So if you don't know what an elevator event is, it's um it's it's more prize money and and a bigger field for the top twenty that won from the PIP last year, they go into these events that are seventeen events through the PGA tour season. And um so they did this after Live, they changed the tour around so they could get better fields and play for more money essentially, really, wouldn't you say? And
1: supposedly make them compulsory for these 20 players to show up and play so that they could draw the bigger yeah. crowds and put the bigger price so can, purse on.
0: So they're allowed to miss one event out of the whole season and Rory missed Hawaii early on in the year and now he's missed the RBC Heritage as well. So there's big, big talks this weekend about, you know, and if if he's got personal issues or whatever, fair enough, but, you know, he's been the backbone to the, uh, the PGA Tour this year and for him to pull out, I, I don't think the players are very happy with what he's done.
1: No, I just think he didn't want the earbuds in his ear again. <laughs> <Maybe>.
0: <laughs> well, that's true too. <laughs> and you know, we all know he you know he played shocking at the Masters, but you know, golf's a new game next week, isn't it? Really,
1: absolutely, absolutely, mate. I mean, he's professional. He you know he shows up, and, and no one's heard of the reason why he's pulled out. You know, yep. Um, so it'll be interesting to see where he come where he comes from with that. Um, time will tell. Um, so, yeah, let's get into the tournament. Uh, another one for, another one for us old guys, Jimmy Walker led after two rounds at 12-under.
0: The, the commentary on that, they were talking in round two like, oh, he's going to win, he's going to win. Like, mate, there's so much golf to play. What do you like?
1: Oh, and it's been a long time since Jimmy Walker's been up there in the top of the, the leaderboard. Um, he had yeah. that phenomenal year and set himself up and, you know, I don't think he ever has repeated any of that. But um, it was, it was good to see apparently. him there. Again, which means it's a good sign for him. Um, So, unfortunately, didn't hang on. Pretty much um, fell out of the race after the third round. Um, But it was Jimmy Walker at 12 under after two rounds, followed by Xander Schoffle, Scotty Scheffler, Justin Rose at 9 under. And um, the cut was 2 under, 60-plus ties at 2 under, made the cut. Yep. So, your man, Ricky... Made the cut, seven under, was just lurking there, five behind after two rounds. <laughs> we'll talk about that later. He's, we'll keep moving on.
0: He's, he's going well this year, isn't he? Yeah,
1: and defending champion was uh, Jordan Spieth, so he made the cut in there. He was, uh, so round three, Jordan made just a Just big... on
0: round, sorry, round two, just to stay on round two, Zach Johnson had 18 straight pars. Oh,
1: yeah, I saw that.
0: Yeah, and, and he's never had, I think it was like a thousand or something rounds he's played, he's never had 18 straight pars. Yeah. Have you ever done that before?
1: 1,600 and something rounds on the PGA Tour and never had a round with just 18 straight pars. No, I haven't. No, I've it. had 17, 17 pars in a round and one bogey. Yeah. It's the closest I've come. Um,
0: I, uh, I did it once at Penrith and um, going up the 18th, man, I was. I remember I was just right of the green and I'm like, just put this under the green and try and get it close. Because you get nervous because you know what you're going for. That's the worst part. Yeah. So that was pretty cool. It was pretty cool to have a clean card. Oh yeah. I'm not, sure
1: to- I'm not sure he was too wrapped about it. I think he would have wanted no. some thirties, but yeah.
0: Well, he he had so many chances too. So yeah, that was a, that was a bit unlucky. And then in the second round too, Patrick Cantley makes a hole in one right. And with all the talk of him slow play last year, uh, last week at the Masters, he goes online and he and he um, he quotes his hole in one playing faster.
1: Yeah, we'll see so what happens when you play faster. Don't think, don't overthink it. You can hit a hole in one, Patrick. Well done. Uh, you know, was he still the last guy to walk off the green? Was he there taking photos of the, himself with the ball on the flag and last guy to walk to the next tee box? Anyhow, oh, geez. We'll, we'll, Some of
0: the stuff that I was showing of him this week was uh, yeah, showing oh, how social social
1: smashed him. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: We don't like slow players. No,
1: <laughs> no. but we we'll get to the we we'll get to round three. So round three, Matt Fitzpatrick comes from nowhere. Six behind, shoots eight under to shoot to the lead at 14 under. What a great round. Uh, Jim- and
0: that's the thing that the, – sorry, the the broadcasters are saying, and, and it, is, it looks like that, a great track where people can come from behind to make a number there, isn't it? Yeah. It seems like the layout for that.
1: Yeah, yeah. And uh- – it's not the big hitters, not a big hitters track. It's, if you look at the records gone by, it's the shorter hitters that hit the ball, uh, in the right spot, small greens. So the guys that got a good short game, small greens, small targets. So guys that get up and down a lot, um, do well. Guys that are hitting their irons that week do well because they hit them greens and give themselves, um, you know, inside 10 foot putts for most of the rounds and, and yep. make a lot of them, which is good. But yeah, eight under, great round. Um, Jimmy Walker unfortunately shot a one over, um, which dropped him to 11-under, but not as bad as Victor Hovland, who shot seven over in the round and went from... And
0: after having that great start too, I think you seven under the first round, was he?
1: He was eight under after two rounds, yeah. Um, And then, yeah, seven over in the third round. He must have been wearing that shirt that you didn't like. Um, Not sure. (laughs) that worked for him in the Masters though. That worked (laughs) for him. And Keegan Bradley shot from nowhere um, with a seven under round as well um, to get himself to nine under. Top three was Matt Fitzpatrick at 14, Patrick Candelay had five under to give himself 13 under, and Jordan Spee for five under round to get himself the 12 under. And that was the final group for round yep. four. Uh, so, pretty good group. Uh, round four, um, you know, was up and down. I remember uh, Matt Fitzpatrick didn't get off to a great start and then looked really frustrated in the middle of the round around the 12th hole. Um, but hung in there and hung in there and hung in there and ended up shooting uh, 68, 3-under 68 to get it to 17-under. Jordan, 66 to get it to 17-under. And Patrick Cantillay, uh one shot behind at 16-under, shot a 68 as well. And Xander Shoffley came home strong as well with a 5-under, just missing out at 15-under. So we had a playoff between Jordan Spieth and Matt Fitzpatrick. Um, and Matt Fitzpatrick, to his credit, was trailing Jordan Spieth. So at the 15th par five, they teed off. Jordan was at 16 under, Fitzy was at 15 under, and Cantlay was at 14 under. And it- Re- the reason I bring up this hole is par five, and they two of them played it one way, which was uh, Fitzy and Patrick Cantlay, bombed a three-wood over the back of the green because it was a front pin. So their second shot, they were playing to be long. Uh, cuz it was a front pin and Jordan Speef lay it up to a number
0: so so I missed it like I, I was at work at this time so you would have watched it was this the one where Grella was telling him to lay up
1: uh, yeah I think so yeah well he wasn't okay. he wasn't close enough he he was on the wrong side of the fairway to hit the high high draw over the trees so he was on the left side of the fairway um and yeah Grella's told well, him think, to lay up I so- think
0: Jordan wanted to go for it. I think I've heard that Jordan wanted to go for it, but the Grell's like, no, we're laying up to a number.
1: I'm not sure, but, yeah, they laid up to a number. And it turned out out to be the right move at the end of the day because the the other two blokes uh, went long. And, of course, Patrick Cantelay's ball was tucked in behind the awning and under the camera stand and took him 28 minutes to get a ruling, (laughs) uh, took his drop, and both he and Matt Fitzpatrick couldn't get it inside um, Spieth's third shot. Mm-hmm. So Spieth hit a really good um, wedge shot to the to the front pin, uh, left himself with about eight foot, and then was on the same line as Fitzy. Fitzy made his putt first to tie him, and then Jordan made it over the top um, to, to hold the lead by one. And Patrick Candelay chipped it past the hole, and made his putt coming back up the hill uh, to also birdie. But, yeah, it was interesting to see. And, you know, like you and I don't get that opportunity to play that shot of hitting it past the green and getting a free drop. Because we, no, we, we, we don't have the stands, we don't have the stands. you know that's I why mean, I
0: think it's a bit of a silly rule. Like, you, know, you see it so many times. I'll just throw it into the grandstand, and you'll get a you know who get a free drop somewhere. I just yeah, I mean they've got to obviously drop it somewhere, don't they? But yeah, they but depend, it's just yeah. how close they get these. Grandstands they play to the,
1: they play it to their advantage, mate. You know, and to their yeah. they play it to their advantage, but they play different golf than you and I and most most of our listeners. So uh, yeah. we'll move on. So anyhow, Fitzy then goes on to birdie sixteen, and then um. Misses a birdie putt on 17 to take the lead. Uh, so they they were square going up 18. Uh, they squared 18 and then uh, went down 18 again a second time. Jordan Speef in the first playoff hole lipped out. Oh, and how
0: did that part not drop? It was going so slow. It caught the lip of the hole and it went. It was looked like it was going. And then as soon as it hits the hole, it was like kicks across. It's,
1: yeah. Well, I I think yeah. my theory is that he hit it too slow. Um, and it took that little volcano of the, the hole rising that we all talk about late in the day where the, whole, the edge of the hole rises up, and it was going that slow that it just couldn't get up over the rise and tilted to the right and caught the lip. Had he hit it a, a foot past the hole, it, it would have held its line. It would have gone in, would have caught more of the inside of the hole and gone in. But anyhow, then yeah. they went to 17. Um, they squared that, and then on 18, the second he time around, it. Fitzy, yeah, he he adjusted, and this is what we're talking about, distances and knowing your distances, because in the first time around, he hit it a cracking shot, thought it was all over the flag, landed past the flag, rolled out rolled 20 metres past. Um, and then the second time around, he's, he's adjusted, hit it just over the bunker, which was the perfect number, and then landed, released forward to a, within a foot of the hole, um, was yep. pretty much a tap-in. So now to his credit, it was well done. Um, interesting it's, fact... It- Interesting fact. What do you think of his cross handed chipping for Fitzy?
0: Yeah, we, well we saw it a lot like last year when he won the US Open. Yeah. And um it it seems it seems awkward, doesn't it? It seems yeah, you know, like I know some people that do some weird stuff to their chipping but or they're putting, they putt on the different side of the ball. It, it does um yeah, it seems it seems very rigid, but whatever works works, doesn't it?
1: Yeah. It just goes to show, mate. There's no right right, or wrong way to do it just mm. do it the best way that however, suits you you know gets the job you done feel really
0: comfortable, yeah however you feel comfortable over the ball and that's what you think works then, then just do that
1: yeah anyone that's reading Arnold Palmer's How to Swing a Golf Club book just throw it in the bin you know because <laughs> there is no way just swing it the best way you can you know yeah Um. or go and see your PGA Tour Pro for a lesson uh, yeah that's it that's not us we're not here to, start, to tell you how to, we're not here to, tell you how to swing
0: <laughs> we better start getting commission, mate. After referring to these PGA pros for lessons. <laughs> yeah.
1: All right. So that's the review of the RBC. Good on Fitzy. But just on, um, Just Interesting, just on interesting fact. Sp- before, sorry, sorry. interesting fact before we go. So the Zurich this week. Matt Fitzpatrick teams up with his brother, Alex Fitzpatrick, who's making his um, tour debut. As and a how team. Have, so,
0: so if they win as a team, his brother gets a tour card. So how cool would that be? If he win? like, I remember when Brooks Koepka was, used to play with his brother. If they won. He gets his tour card. Like that would yeah. be so awesome. Yeah. You just jump the jump the field and go. Yep, I'm in now.
1: Yep. And his brothers in form, <laughs> obviously. So yeah. Matt's in form. Yeah.
0: So yeah. So that'd be cool. I was just going to say before that, geez, it, it's hard to find someone like when you you know you got Jordan Spieth and Fitzpatrick. It's hard to like. I would like to know how many people are going for Fitzpatrick to win because Jordan Spieth, I feel like, is just a fan favorite every day of the week. Don't you think?
1: There wasn't many. I don't think. They yeah. were all devastated when um when his putt lipped out. You could see him, and then, yeah, there was no cheers when Fitzy's putt went in.
0: <laughs> and he's really trend- – like, I mean, it's hard for him because you – know, well, not hard for him, sorry, but like he had such a great boom to his start of his career, Jordan Spieth, and now it's like obviously the comeback trail, which he's – I mean, in the last two years, he's still got a steady career, hasn't he? But because he started so strong in his career, we sort of see it as falling off in a way.
1: What, his early 30s and he's making a comeback. So yeah, <laughs> tough tough career. I feel for him. Exactly, that's you know, it. <laughs> he might have to sell his jet, private jet, or something. Uh, anyhow, speaking of jets, uh, so all the stars are jet setting into Adelaide this week for the Live Tournament, and we should have been jet setting over there, but we're not. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: I screwed up, mate. I yeah. owe you next year.
1: I'm, I'm going to let you off this year. So yeah. next year we'll, we'll make an effort and we'll get there.
0: We'll definitely be there. That's for sure. But if you're there, you know, enjoy yourself. And um, we look forward to hearing a few stories when you, when you get back. That'll be, yeah. Hope you have a good weekend down there.
1: Yep. I'm a massive Range Goats fan. Anyone listening out there? Massive Range Goats fan. Range Goat hat, shirt, whatever. And if,
0: and if someone wants to get Brooks Koepka's signature for me, uh, I'd greatly appreciate it too. Thanks. <laughs>
1: uh, so, yeah, we're jealous if you're going. Um Good luck to you. Hope you enjoy it. The course, yep. So anyone doesn't know the Grange, it's a 36-hole complex, so I'm not sure what the course is going to be. Generally with these things, a bit like the President's Cup, they do a composite 18-hole course out of the 36. I'm not sure. I haven't heard, um, so I don't know what the course layout is. I just saw on the socials today um, that the stadium hole is a par three twelfth of one of the courses, um, so that looks Awesome they got pretty much like the Phoenix uh, waste management open where it's completely boxed in, stands either side, stands all the way around the back of the green. It's going to be absolute chaos there. Oh, that's oh, where I wanted to be. Just,
0: the whole place is just going to be buzzing. Like Australia has been stinging for these players to come for so long. Like we've been, you know, speaking of designated events, why don't we get one of them from the PGA Tour to come? You know, that's what they need to do. Like the PGA Tour has been, you know, disowning Australia for so long. Like, so we're just so hungry for this, and I think they've set it to sell out. Or if it's not, it would be pretty close to a sellout. I reckon every day because we're you know we're all excited to see see these top names come down under.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think you know apart from the President's Cup, I went to the president last President's Cup uh, in Melbourne, uh, but there's only it's only twelve guys. You know, so yeah. there's not a whole big field, and and four of them guys each day don't play. They're walking around or they're in a golf cart driving around. Um, so you know. It's, to get these guys down here, I think the last time I went out to the Australian Open uh, was when Jordan Spieth was here. So speaking to Jordan Spieth, uh, Jordan Spieth, Jason Day, Adam Scott, Cam Smith, before he really made it, um, you know. But everyone was there to see Jordan Spieth, mm. you know. And it was that's he's the last guy that's come down. Abraham Answer, who's with Live, he he won one of the Australian events a couple of years ago, but he, no one knew who he was then. He wasn't the megastar that he is now. In golf, so yeah, we've been pretty well starved of of these big names coming down and playing in Australia. uh You know, look, I go. I
0: hope after this week, I hope after this weekend, they like maybe the live will see this and maybe think, well, let's pull one out of the American because you know I don't think they're rating as well in America because they're all PGA, PGA or whatever. So hopefully, they think, oh, we'll have another one over here. Like this sold out. Obviously, Australia enjoys it. Let's put another one in another state maybe, who knows?
1: Yeah, well, uh, mate, being part of the Asian tour, you know, the, it's close. They could go here, they could yeah. go to Asia, then they could come back to Australia, come to the northern side of Australia, or the eastern side of Australia, Queensland, mm-hmm. New South Wales, you know, um, I would, wouldn't would think they'd do Melbourne, too close to Adelaide, but go to another audience in Queensland or somewhere, uh, yeah. you know, and have a, have an event up there. It's It'd be awesome to see, you know, uh, t- two events during the year, it'd be, be grouse, but who knows? Uh, the good thing is I think Adelaide signed up for three years, so there should be at least three years of live golf here. Mm-hmm. That would be good.
0: Well, at least we weren't forgotten altogether. I wonder if that was sort of Greg Norman's push to push us here. Like if Greg Norman wasn't uh, the commissioner there, would Australia have missed out again? Who knows?
1: Well, I, I remember watching the first event, and they were already talking that live in Australia was already sold out at the their first event of the year. Their fourth event, which is Adelaide, was already sold out. So yep. I think there's been a mad rush to update tickets, upgrade tickets and, and all that sort of stuff in the last week. The,
0: so This event will be, well, I find, will be their biggest one that they've had so far, I think.
1: Yeah. Oh, I hope Australia everywhere doesn't. Else,
0: every, everywhere else they've played has golf, don't they, really?
1: Yeah. And no one does it louder than Australia.
0: No. We're suited for the Live Tour, mate.
1: Absolutely, mate.
0: beers, have a foster, shrimp on the barbie, mate.
1: And just do it louder. (laughs) That'll be awesome. Who's Uh, your pick? So let's get to the pick. So let's go back to the Ricky Fowler comment. So your pick last week at the RBC was Ricky. Um, Unfortunately, my pick was Ryan Fox, who withdrew, and I didn't know that he'd withdrawn and didn't get a chance to have (laughs) another pick. So someone gloated and sent me a message to say, hey, 2-0 before the... And, Before the cup and was let, even done.
0: And, guys, is that fair? Is it my fault that Ryan Foxford drew? No. Should Todd have got another pick? Let me know. Yeah, I don't know. I on don't the should have. let me should
1: Let he, him know that Todd should have got another pick.
0: He can't pick after round one and go, oh, yeah, I want to pick the favourite now that's leading. Oh, the
1: thing was too, like... <laughs> You know, quickly, I just thought he had a good – he had a good Masters. Um, I thought the course would have suited him because it wasn't too long, Um, you know, and he's a good, steady player. And I I looked at – I actually scrolled down the thing and I started looking for a left-in. I actually went Brian Harmon. And I looked at Brian Harmon and I thought, yeah, it suits him too. And then I thought maybe Matt Coochers won there once or twice, you know, suits him. And then I looked at Cam Davis with the, you know, the Porsche outing he had prior to the Masters, I thought, he's due. He's been playing good, Cam Davis. I thought of him. And then I kept looking down the order and I found Ryan Fox and I went, no, I'll just pick Ryan Fox. So anyhow, <laughs> all my other picks would have <laughs> beat Ricky. Doesn't matter.
0: Yeah, but it's oh. all right. So it's 2 nil to me. So this week we're just doing the live tour and I've picked Howard Varna third, mate. He's come down to Australia a few times. I feel like, you know, that being Queensland, but I think um, he's sort of... Yeah, you know, they've been down here early enough, but I think with the travel and stuff, he should be pretty settled. Yeah, good pick. So I like his pick,
1: and I think it's going to be one of them guys. Um, if it's not an Aussie uh, who's who's played the course and knows the Australian courses and and layouts, it's going to be someone who's who's been to Australia. Uh, Abraham Ansar, you know, one of those guys. Um, but my pick is actually Wakim Neiman. I think he's due. He's been swinging it good. Uh, I think he's the course will suit him. That uh, the, the the fairways, the sandbelt of Adelaide, I think is sort of going to suit him a little bit. Uh, so hopefully he does well. So he's my pick.
0: Yeah, no, that's good. All righty, mate. Should we leave it there?
1: Yeah, we can leave it there. Um, yeah, all right. Do you want to give him the socials and?
0: Um, yeah, so you can you can follow us on uh, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, or you can email us as I said at the start, the first tee podcast at gmail.com. Send us any questions you've got. And um, also, if you could leave us a review on Spotify or whatever, uh, Apple podcast, whatever you listen to us on, that'll really help us sort of uh, grow up in the rankings and, you know, because we're a new podcast and really help us out. And we would appreciate that. And we appreciate everyone getting behind us already for uh, uh, already in the few episodes that we've done. And we we enjoy the uh, what we've created so far, which has been great.
1: Yeah, and we've been getting a little bit of feedback in regard to the quality of the podcast. So we're just novices at this. We've just started out. We understand that it started out a bit scratchy. Um, we hope that you hear that it's gotten better. Um, and thanks for the guys that have sent us messages to say, yeah, audio is good now. So, you know, our, our man behind the scenes, which is nobody, it's just us, has <laughs> sorted that out. Uh, we are hope- learn as we go as well. Yeah, learn so, as yeah. you go. But, but I think it's, yeah, yeah. it's going good. So, yeah. Thanks, everyone. So,
0: um, yeah. Have a great weekend and enjoy the Live Tour in Adelaide, guys. Let's And we'll speak to you next week.
1: Yeah, we'll review the Live Tour next week. I'm looking forward to it. Enjoy. Happy golfing.
0: See you. Happy golfing. Thanks for listening to another episode of the First Tee Podcast. Until next time, happy golfing. <laughs>